Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Payne, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention deans anymore. Actually, what I like to put in coming to rank. Trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that rocket science? Hey, baby, you know, I'm tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic, coming at you for the first time in quite some time. It is fantastic to be back. We have been in off-season mode, admittedly been in vacation mode, been having a great time. The voice sounds a little bit different today, fighting a little summer bug, but we'll get through it. Um, I'm very happy today. We don't have the normal co-host, Mr. Anthony Slater, Fred Katz, off doing their thing. Uh, but I got some guy named Kelly Eco who has been killing it on the Rockets for years, killing it beyond the Rockets of late. Uh, and he was nice enough to join me in a pinch this week because I don't know if you NBA fans have heard, but there's a little bit of news going on about a man by the name of James Hart. And uh, Kelly covered James for years with the Rockets, knows his personality, knows his people very, very well. Kelly, my friend, how are you? Thank you for coming on. Doing blessed. OG, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Always good to see you, man. I told you off the air, you're looking clean, you're looking fit, happy for you, things are good. How's the off-season treating you? Doing good, getting to spend some much-needed R&R time, catching up on, you know, sleep, spending quarter time with my lady, you know, just everything's really good, so. I like Getting back to work, getting back in the swing thing, so everything's looking really good. Love to hear it. Uh, So we had planned this pod yesterday uh you know in, in light of the news over the weekend that James Harden Sixers star disgruntled I'm sure everybody listening knows the story uh I'm sure plenty of the folks listening as indicated by our comment section on the athletic website are tired of this story but listen it is the biggest news along with the Damian Lillard situation in the offseason and so over the weekend for anybody who somehow missed it uh, ESPN reports that Philly and and president of basketball ops, Daryl Morey, had decided to take James Harden off of the the table in terms of trade talks, specifically with the Clippers. That's where James wants to be and that they intended, the Sixers did, to bring James to camp. That story comes out naturally. The next question that I pursued was, all right, that's fine, but how does James feel about this? Looked into that, ended up reporting that uh, sure enough, nothing had changed about James's stance, that he had no intention to play for the Sixers ever. Uh, and then certainly within that did not have any plans of attending training camp. Uh, now, as you know, Kelly, it's just never that simple. Once we get to camp, right. uh, what does that look like? But the thing that, that I tried to hit on in my piece that came out on Saturday and the nuance of it was that it's not really about the you know hard stance that he's not coming to camp. It's the idea that he still had a belief that more developments were going to happen before camp arrived. Well, little did I know that that it would only take until early Monday morning uh, stateside with James Harden on an Adidas tour in China where, I mean, you talk about, you know, kind of just coming out and and screaming it from the mountaintops. Uh, He was talking, it seemed, to a group of 
of Adidas interested, uh, you know, kind of fans and, and kids and mixed company in China. He gets asked about his situation in Philly and says in no uncertain terms that Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization that he is a part of. And he repeats it twice. Um, that's the framing here. Uh, again, you know, James very, very well. Where was your head at over the weekend when it came to those developments? And then how did this, uh, this proclamation on Monday morning hit you? So when the report came out over the weekend, you know, the first thing I thought of was this is not going to end well for Philadelphia, because when you go back to the relationship between Daryl Morey and James Harden over the years, you know, starting out in Houston, he, it was a fruitful relationship. They got everything he wanted. You know, they enjoyed some pretty successful years together. Coming back in Philadelphia now, you know, he, there was an understanding that kind of the team around him, it might not have been the most conducive to actually getting to the finals or getting deep in the playoffs. Now, with, with Daryl trying to take him off of trade talks, you know James is not going to take that well at all because he doesn't want to be there anymore. He said that pretty clearly. We saw that this morning. He wants out of that situation entirely. He wants absolutely nothing to do with Daryl Morey or, or anything he stands for, as you can see. And now, having him having heard him say that in front of a bunch of his fans and across the world, also don't forget the fact that he said it in. China. You remember going back yes. to the whole thing with Daryl Morey a few and years Hong ago. Kong and, yeah. It's 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 a political battle right now. So I honestly hadn't processed that aspect of it. That's yeah, that's, so that's I think that was layer. a very calculated, very calculated move by James, but he wants absolutely nothing to do with him anymore. And and this is how he's felt for weeks. This is not a new thing. Like he mm -hmm. didn't just wake up today and say, you know, to hell with Daryl. This is how he's felt for a while because he felt he feels disrespected and he feels, you know, more or less lied to. See, that's why it made so much sense to bring you on because you're already contextualized it and in, in a way that is even deeper. Um, James, like you said, I'm sure knew exactly what he was doing right. with his timing, with his location, um, and the idea, like you said too, that it's not going to go well for Philly. Um, let's kind of spin it forward a little bit. We have a blueprint here when it comes to the Sixers as to a similar situation and how it might unfold. So Ben Simmons a couple of years ago, you know, obviously didn't want to play for Philly anymore. Felt like he was the fall guy when they fell short in the playoffs. When camp comes around, he, you know, he didn't want to lose his 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 cash, so he shows up to camp infamously. You know, is kind of hanging out at one of the practices, and his cell phone falls out of his pocket. Uh, you know, it's just a bad look. You know, kind of half asses it for a couple of days and then before you know it he's out of there again you know and then they essentially you know send him home or he you know he, he leaves uh and they figure out the trade stuff but it takes six months you know he wasn't getting paid for a lot of that he ends up getting some of his bread back by way of uh union you know kind of uh, contesting uh, but like you said it was messy very messy now we have a james blueprint as well in houston you know it's training yeah. camp time he doesn't want to be in houston anymore I'm going to go party in Atlanta. I'm going to go party in Vegas. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, barely be out there when we actually compete. I'm going to not connect with my teammates. You know, the John Walls of the world, the DeMarcus Cousins are going to get frustrated. The vibe is terrible. It's bad collectively. Uh, and then, you know, uh, to a lesser degree, but similar themes in Brooklyn. When he's done in Brooklyn, I'll never forget. I was in that game in Sacramento. It was his last game with the Nets where one of those where, you know, you didn't have to be a, a basketball 
expert to watch that game and go, boy, he's he's deciding to tell the Nets he's 100% done. So this is what the Sixers do, is what Daryl Morey has done. This is what James does. These two things do not meet very well. This is a staring contest. How do you think it turns out? I think in this era, this current era of player empowerment and players essentially planting their flags in the ground, I think eventually the situation is going to reach an untenable point where they just have to trade him. Like if he's not going to report to camp, if he's not, it's, it doesn't sound like he's concerned about the money he might lose, you know, and fines and stuff like that. What makes you say um, that? Just because of how he conducts his business, like he, how he lives his, his off-court life. He has his, his wine business. He has other business ventures that he, that are doing pretty well. And you know, it's not, it's not kind of, it's kind of similar to Ben Simmons, but I, I'm not sure of, of Ben Simmons off the court, you know, business ventures. James where has more could, revenue streams. I think. Yeah, he has more. Saying. He has yeah. he has more bread coming in. So, right. um, if it came down to a situation where he had to be fined, I, I don't think it's a, it's something where he would reconsider coming back to Philadelphia. He just wants out of that whole situation. So if it costs him X amount of dollars to get out and get that freedom, you know, I think he'll take that route. Now, on the other hand, I wonder how Daryl plays it, because as you know, Daryl very well. He's a very, he's also a very calculated individual. He he plays chess in his free time. There's a reason why he does that because every move has to be you know right on the money. So this situation, it's going to end up. I think personally, I just think that James is going to eventually find his way out Philadelphia. Well, and obviously, you know, Daryl's in the spot because James has made it clear that the Clippers is where he wants to be. He wants right. to partner up with with Kawhi and Paul George and and have another run at a title. Um, you know, I, to me, the the key question on the James side is, you know, what is his fabric when it comes to, you know, standing by the message that he did put out on Monday morning, I think Sunday night in China, um, and the idea that all right, you picked up your player option for this season. Now, some of the fans. Yeah. We'll say if you didn't want to be in Philly, you should have just gone to free agency. Obviously, he knew that was a, a dark road to go down from a financial standpoint. There was not the Clippers did not have the the money to pay him his market by any means, uh, and that's where he wanted to be. And he was hoping that he would go the way, ironically, of Chris Paul back when he went from the Clippers to the Rockets, right? Where it was a, a pretty clean move. Where Chris talked to the Clippers, had understanding from the Rockets, picks up his player option, gets <clears> traded. <throat> gets where he wants to go that didn't happen here um you know i know this is premature because we have training camp to monitor when it <clears> arrives <throat> if it, a deal doesn't happen by then we then have the deadline in february the trade deadline that is the next kind of marker but the the more extreme question i think is you know does a world exist where james says you know what we'll see how much of this season's 35 million dollars i end up getting paid if i don't show up and if it goes all the way to next summer, is this a guy that that uh, that you know with free agency on the horizon and with you know thirty three years of life behind him, uh, you know would have kind of the fabric to to be this stubborn about it and push it out that far? That's a good question. And I, I, as it pertains to the entire length of a season, you know I don't think we've ever seen that before, where a, a star player or a, a future Hall of Famer has ever essentially been able to forego. A year's worth of salary, just to make a point, right? So, honestly, I think, honestly, think that in this situation, Daryl's going to have to blink first because, if frankly speaking, if 
he doesn't get something back for James, you know, this is going to look like a very questionable decision to just put your foot down and, and, and continue to be stubborn and not trade him, you know, because at the end of the day, you can get something back for James, even if it means putting the ball more in Tyrese Maxey's hands and you still have Joel Embiid, you still have Tobias Harris, you still have guys coming back. You have a, a new coach and Nick Nurse that honestly might be their best offseason acquisition in terms of being able to really structure these guys offensively and and put them in a chance to win games, you know, in April and May. So honestly, I, I've just never seen a situation like this before where some player just comes out and blatantly says, this guy's a liar. I'm never going to be in the same room as him again. I, just, I mean, honestly, just, though, Kelly, like it is, it's it's very analogous to the Ben Simmons one, but with a major, major, major distinction. James Harden is much more a force of personality than right. Ben Simmons is. Ben yeah. Simmons is a, like we we wondered for months how he truly felt. He He right. refused endless media requests for interviews. He chose to stay in the shadows. You know, certainly his people would talk to the media and, and give you some sense of where he was at. But James Harden is coming out with this kind of force and this kind of candor. And to me, that's what makes it different. Now, like any sensitive and uncomfortable situation like this, leverage matters, right? The one thing right. if I was Daryl that I would feel confident about is that you, let's, let's ponder the two worst case scenarios for each side. Does this look great for Daryl's reputation? No. We already know no. that he's been fighting for years, this idea that, that he doesn't view players uh, as humans enough, that he looks at them too much as assets. This right. is another kind of mark when it comes to that accusation. But absolute worst case scenario, let's say you know he doesn't get anything for James. Sixers ownership, which has obviously changed in, in recent years a bit, is upset. You know, Let's say, it, at, I don't know the timeline, but it ultimately leads to Daryl's demise in Philly. In the uh, NBA space, Daryl Morey is going to get another job at high money somewhere else. The leverage on you know his side, I think, is is trumping James's because I think what Daryl is probably counting on is that James, deep down, does enjoy playing the game of basketball. He knows that father time doesn't stop, and right. the idea of burning a year when your legacy <laughs> is already it's it's very good legacy because you're talking about a former MVP, a ten time All Star, but we also know what's always attached to James can't win in the big games, hasn't won the whole thing. If you want to find a way to, to rectify that, you don't have time to be sitting out a year. And, and you covered James long enough to know that when you go back maybe the last eight, nine years, he, he's always said certain things. Like if you feel strongly about a situation, like for example, Kevin McHale, he, he spoke out about that. He got his way. Um, Chris Paul situation, he spoke out about that. He got his way. The Houston situation, he spoke out, he got his way. Coming back now to Philadelphia, you know, if Daryl's playing the, the the long game in terms of, you know, staying power in the league, Daryl's obviously going to last longer in the NBA than James is just because of the nature of his job and, you know, how successful he's been. And, you know, like you said, Father Time is catching up to James pretty quickly. So if Daryl, there is a world that Daryl just, you know, because Daryl can go scorch other as well. Like he's not right. That's James is the only person. I mean, Father Time is really friendly to executives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like <laughs> that's a fact. That's so, a, I mean, you talk about the chess game, you know, and I'm sure Daryl's looked at it from every angle. That that's a hell of a, a, a piece to play. So, but, but but let me ask you this, Sam. If you're if you're Daryl and you know that the Clippers are the practically the only team that could be a realistic trade partner. Do you bite the bullet and just take 50 cents on the dollar or do you just try and stick it out knowing that 
you have a guy in Joel Embiid because that's another part of the equation because you know Joel's not going to he's not the happiest camper if James this whole Joel is not pleased with this whole situation frankly right. speaking no and I'm glad you brought that up I mean I, I hit on that before vacation um, and honestly learned a bit this is one of my favorite parts right. of the job is when you you know you you report on something and you you feel like you you hit it close to the mark but then on the back right. end once people see that you put certain you know things out there a certain way then they'll kind of educate you even more. That did happen on the Joel Embiid story. So he says publicly, um, and I forget where he was. He was he was in a uh, was it some a, kind of conference? He was in a conference, and he and he alludes to the idea that you know that he that he wants to win a championship, whether it's in Philly or somewhere else. Um, right. You talked earlier about James being calculated. These players are are smart, and they know yeah. how to handle their voice. And the idea was that all right, Joel had made a choice to put that thought out into the uh, the ecosystem about the idea that maybe he wouldn't be in Philly. So the Sixers' stance and their response at that time was, listen, Joel has talked for years about wanting to stay here for his whole career, to want to go the way of Kobe and Steph Curry and guys like that, Giannis to right. his point, um, and be with one franchise, Dirk. Now, that's all well and good, and that's all very true. That has been Joel's mindset. Um, but it was, you know, the part that I did learn about was like, no, it's the last couple of years. There's also been a pretty clear message that like, if you guys keep effing around for lack of a better way of putting it and, and don't give me the right kind of group, you know, that makes me feel like a title contender, then, you know, then who knows what happens? Maybe he does ask out that pressure is there. Um, the, the Sixers know All it's right. there and, you know, Joel this summer had, it seemed tried to. I mean, he and James are fine, but he had tried to connect with James at some off-season events and and essentially convince him to stay, convince him to be good. Uh, I think you're hitting on something really important, which is, man, once Joel Embiid saw what James Harden had to say in China, what what was his reaction? Because I don't know exactly who Joel, if he's got a list of players that, that he would love to play with, or if he's right. looking at Daryl just saying, give me whatever the Clippers are willing to give you and let me let me work, let me cook. Um, but yeah, the Joel factor is huge here. And, and to, to add to that Joel thing, I've heard, you know, obviously the, the, the New York angle is there as well, but yep, another 100%. team that another team is Houston as well. Like just because of the bond between, you know, Joel and Amy and just that situation where they're, they've added all those. This is where a super producer, Andrew Schleck should splice in some, uh, is an oldie but goodie. A lot of more says, isn't that ir- ironic? We need some ironic music right now. Thank so, you so, so I think, you know, maybe in the next year or so, I think, because obviously if Joel stays this season and plays it out, you know, that, that's one thing. But moving forward from that, I do think New York and Houston are the two teams to watch if, if it ever came to a situation where Joel said, you know, I want to leave too. Because look, this whole union of James and Joel it hasn't been perfect, right? So you go back to how James got there in the first place and having to essentially pitch in all his game to just give Joel the ball. That was Philly's game plan for a lot of nights, right? Because he was such a dom- dominant big man and everything was going his way when the MVP, you know, the all-star for him and Doc. I remember, I remember a story you put out going back to the video with James and Doc speaking you know, before the season and how important that was because you know that the the way that Doc has been able to kind of role players around where at times and right. that whole whole interesting dynamic with that. 
so, if anybody doesn't remember that, it still blows me away, Kelly, that that happened. Yeah, you know, and I've even, I know. I've tried since then to get clarity on the question of uh, you know whether or not James knew he was being recorded. So right. you know, NBA TV comes into Sixers camp and had this all access video of Doc talking to James, and really, and I'm paraphrasing, just telling him like, you know, listen, for us to be at our best, we got to feed the big fella. Uh, and then James pushed back a little bit, not in any kind of acrimonious way, but pushed back and said, you know, I just know that like, if, if, if you let me cook, then I'm going to bring the defense and, and it's going to make life easier for him. So they were having, right. it was the kind of dialogue that, that was so interesting to watch because it happens on every team, but we just typically don't get to see it. But to your point, my first thought was like, oh boy, like, you know, Doc is, is pretty calculated in his own right with his voice and his profile in the media is so right. that might've helped the optics for doc. Cause it really looked like he was leading their group, but did James know that he was being recorded? Now the answer I've gotten was most likely yes. Like James is, is bright dude knows that it was, you know, an all access practice, but you go from that to this. And, and I think what you're highlighting is the fact that literally for years, you know, it's a, it's a Kobe Shaq light type of dynamic right. that they have exactly. been trying to navigate. And then it's obviously, you know, reached this point. And then even, you know, with, with the way James, cause you know, he took the, the pay cut, you know, before the year to oh, yeah. allow them to sign D'Anthony Melton, Daniel Hollis Jr., PJ Tucker. So the understanding was, you know, that on the back end, he would get, he would eat, like he would get his bread. Like he would get some kind of, substantial pay which i mean not surprisingly to, to interject real quick the sixers deny which i mean the league For investigated sure. it For sure claimed they didn't find it but yes that that is clearly james's understanding yeah so so james obviously feels slighted in the fact that he feels like he was essentially lied to and you know at the end of the day the nba is a business so you, you really can't everything should be taken with a grain of salt but if you're james and and you took all this less money to try and win a championship and that doesn't happen you gotta look out for yourself at the end of the day right this is your career this is your livelihood this is your family that you're talking about so i do understand both sides of the equation i just wish that it hadn't been played out like this in public because it's gonna get really ugly then the league has to get involved and it's a whole it's a whole ordeal that didn't have to go this route looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton 
is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Uh, real quickly, and we're going to pivot to a couple other league-wide things. Um, any thoughts on the Clipper side of this thing? Because you know they obviously, you know, Kawhi, Paul are not part of these talks. Um, you yeah. know, this is this is an everybody else conversation. But when you look at some of the possibilities there for you, and not to put you on the spot, but is there a threshold where you say, so long as this guy, this guy, and, and maybe this pick is in there? You, you know, let's go. I, I got to do that, and and the Sixers are going to be in a good place competitively. Going forward, or what have some of the factors been for you there? Um, if I'm the Clippers, I, I, I I'm not sure what's taking them so long. If 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 if, it, if the if the sticking point is Terrence Mann or any of these other young players, I, I don't see why you would have talk stall for this long because the Clippers, as currently constructed, you know they're on the clock as well. Like you know they've had Paul George and Kawhi that haven't been able to be healthy long enough to give them a realistic run at a championship and then you have the whole thing of them moving to the new arena and you know just the things that come with that if i'm the clippers i'm tr i'm trying to be as aggressive as possible even if it means giving up those young players because at the end of the day you could make the argument that the western conference is is wide open i i know denver's won the championship you know off a remarkable run but you look at the, the nuggets the suns you know, the Lakers, they're Memphis, they're pretty they're some pretty decent teams in the Western Conference. So if you want to give yourselves the best chance at competing, go ahead and get the ten time all star, the the future Hall of Famer, even if it means giving up a little bit of young players and future flexibility. Right, right. Good stuff, sir. Always appreciate you weighing in in general, but specifically uh, as a James Harden expert, I think this is something you're this is gonna be a big part of your career, Kelly, all the time. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. We're going to be coming to you when he's retired. Like, well, how's James? What's he doing? Uh, let's hit on a few other things uh, before we get out in this somewhat brief uh, off-season tampering pod. Um, the stuff that's on my radar, uh, admittedly, as I reemerge into the basketball world a bit after vacation, uh, the Hall of Fame stuff this week was, I didn't catch all of it, but but enough to enjoy uh, going down memory lane a little bit. Um, you know, you talk about a hell of a cast with the D Wades and the Dirk Nowitzkis, right. and, um, you know, and, and, and seeing all the Spurs guys up there, Tony Parker and, and pop and Becky Hammond and, and her speech to pop was pretty wow. remarkable. Um, you know, I lived through a lot of that stuff and my mind probably went toward, you know, it was, it was kind of split between the, the D Wade heat experience, but the Spurs stuff, uh, they remain in my opinion, you know, the most underrated group in the history of the game, most likely. And, and they're not, you know, they're not disrespected. They're not, even underrated is too generalist of a way of saying it. 
but um, the longevity of that group and their ability to win titles in so many different eras with a couple different iterations, um, but with the same culture and with the same leader and pop doing his thing uh, was something else to cover. And then even from a media standpoint, who man, who tweeted this? I think it was, it might've been our guy, Vinny Goodwill, uh, Yahoo Sports, who, who said something about how Tony Parker was more forthcoming and, and kind of candid in his Hall of Fame speech than he had been in his whole career. And, and it's probably true. You know, that group yeah. media-wise, they did not pull the curtain back. They made it tough to cover them. Like, I remember one time, Kelly, I was at USA Today. I forget what year. It doesn't really matter. But I'm talking to the Spurs about essentially wanting to do a Tim Duncan appreciation piece. Um, right. You know, total puff piece, but with good reason. The guy's a legend. And we just hadn't had a lot on Timmy and contextualizing what he'd been able to do. So I'm pushing and pushing and pushing to get a little time with the great Tim Duncan. And essentially the deal we, we come to is, you know, listen, if you come to San Antonio, I think it was like five questions, like you can get five questions, but, but that's wow. not for the listeners. That's not normally the way it goes. Like no. you might negotiate a rough sense of time, you know, 10 minutes, 15, 20, 30, whatever, but it was very specific, five questions. And I, I get there and, you know, I'm coming from the West Coast. So you fly almost a couple thousand miles to get there, um, get Timmy in the hallway. And I dealt with him a ton, but, you know, Tim just kept the media at, at an arm's length at all times. And we get in and it's, all right, question one. <clears throat> and I'm reading his body language. He, he's good. He's in a good place. Question two, even better place. Question three, oh, Tim's good. Four, we get to five, you know, and you know me well enough, like we're rolling. We're, we're five questions. And, I, and it's not like he's sitting there kind of spitting gems but he's being open and comfortable yeah. and i'm sitting there thinking man we're gonna be good here like i came all this way but but we're, we're gonna get to 10 15 questions and after five questions uh pr man tom james and this is no shade whatsoever tom has always done his job well and done it the way he does it uh jumps in says all right say appreciate it you know that was five and i was like you gotta be kidding me and you look at timmy and you're waiting for the player to kind of say no we're good we're good but no, that's not how Tim and that group was wired. They just they would do yeah. bare minimum media wise while just being legends and absolute all time greats on the court because the basketball was all that mattered to them. Um, in that respect, the Hall of Fame ceremonies I think were fantastic because the world all, will always deserve to learn more and, and want to know more uh, about this Spurs group that was so special. And I think celebrating a time in the NBA where there was just less drama in terms of like. It wasn't as publicized in terms of you see guys like Dirk, you see the Spurs legends, and they were just able to play basketball. I think for I mean, you I hear you. There's always been, you uh, know, I mean, like I mean, we even like we yeah. alluded to Kobe Shaq earlier. Like, true. I think there's there's That's always true. been drama. The media, the, let's just be real about our industry. The media industry is has never been louder than it is right now. You know, yeah. social media changed everything. Twenty four seven news cycle changed everything. Um, yeah, you you would have less volume in more ways than one because right. of the ways that the drama got out. So for you, going back to your illustrious days at USA Today, how was it for you in terms of covering the league when you seen dynamics like Dirk, you know, staying with one team and Timmy staying with one team? What was that dynamic like being able to just kind of get a, a glance of obviously the Western Conference has always been a bloodbath, but those two teams specifically in that that region, how was that for you? 
I mean, I loved it. I was all, I've been West Coast my whole career. So it was always a, a kind of a haul to get to Texas. Um, and, you know, I, I did a lot more Spurs in, in that era than I did Dirk and the Mavs. I did a fair amount of Mavs stuff. But I, I think part of what you're getting at there, Kelly, is that we did have, and I don't have the data in front of me, but it felt like we had, you know, more all-time greats who were cemented in their current location and right. ready to try to compete year after year after year, even through multiple generations. If you look at the Spurs, you know, they obviously were hoping that Kawhi Leonard would feel the same way and help them bridge to yet another era. That didn't happen. But, you know, Dirk and, and having so much respect for his game, but wondering, could he ever get it done? And obviously when he, you know, finally beats the Heat in the finals, that was as legendary a run as anybody's ever going to have, right. not only because of what the Heat represented and their star power and their incredible talents, but, you know, kind of the collective toll of Dirk's journey and everything that led up to that, you know, through the Steve Nash's and the Jason Kids and trying to, to find his way. Um, you know, I don't have any preference. The, the stuff with guys moving around is entertaining to cover, um, but basketball-wise, it is like night and day. You see with those Mavs teams when they had continuity with, the you know, the Spurs teams and, and even, you know, Steph Curry and the Warriors, who I've covered a ton throughout his career. Um, we saw this with the Warriors title two years ago, like the value of continuity basketball-wise and how it doesn't pay off all the time. But, you you know, when it does, you can sure see it, you know, and, and that's the difference between, you know, I know I'm getting off on a tangent here a little bit, but when, you know, Kevin Durant goes to the Suns and, and I was one of the many people kind of handicapping, like, oh, even though I don't love handicapping super teams to do great things right away, I thought they would be able to figure it out. And they ultimately didn't because uh, when it comes to being on the court and connecting as, as people and, and knowing the nuances of one another's game and still having the kind of depth that it takes to go all the way, um, those are key factors. But, you know, it was, it was wild to cover those teams because it just, it felt like I'm stating the obvious here, but they were, they were always there. You know what I mean? Like you just never thought about them being anywhere else. Um, so yeah, again, to see, those guys in the same room um, and see all cool. the affection they have yeah. for one another was really cool. Like there was a, a video I saw where somebody was, was taking shots of current NBA players who came in for the Hall of Fame ceremonies and asking them, why are you here? Now, D. Wade was the winner in terms of like getting the most guys saying he's there for D. Wade, but, but they would all quickly say, man, I'm here for all of them. Because um, this was, I mean, we, let's be real, Kel, like we have some Hall of Fame seasons when it's like once you get past the first two or three, you're kind yeah. of going, oh, are they in there? Okay. And and there's, you know, it's not as star-studded as this group was. This one, yeah. And, and and that just speaks to, you know, the heightened popularity of everything now with social media, like you said earlier, and just people being more aware. Even the young guys, people coming up watching the game who didn't get able, who weren't able to watch, you know, Dirk and Timmy like live, you know, in action and able to go back and watch highlights and seeing documentaries and YouTube compilations. I think it's really good for the game. No, I agree. All right, last thing before we jump here, uh, I highly encourage all of our listeners, because he, he's out there busting his butt uh, overseas. Our Joe Varden has been covering Team USA in yes, the run-up to the FIBA it. world. He has been, man. And and listen, he, he always raises his hand for these assignments, and I know that sounds like a funny way of putting it because it's, you know, it's it's got to be nice to travel like that on the job. But listen, this is a time when most of us are shutting it down. Uh, Joe is, yeah. is killing it on that beat. Uh, he had a piece today that, that cracked me up. I was going to, I even thought about sending a text maybe to, to Steve Kerr and to Joe 
say, man, Joe's trying to to start a, a, a little riot with his players because he's writing about how the Team USA crew in the past under Greg Popovich would always have these amazing breaking bread dinners with lots of wine flowing. And, and Joe keeps reporting on the behind the scenes stuff and how, you know, these little updates, colorful updates on how, well, still no, uh, you know, still no br- dinners like Pop used yep. to do. Like, dang, Joe, you trying to, you trying to tick off the current team, you know, but the they're having fun. Yeah. They had a magician come out, apparently. You know, he, he's getting into all the stuff about how this team is trying to come together yeah. uh, as they try to go get the gold. So make sure you read Joe. As always, make sure you read Kelly Eco on the Rockets and elsewhere. Kelly, my guy, I appreciate you. Fantastic seeing you. Thank you for coming on today, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, Zach.